Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 reads, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way. This is, of course, the podcast of Faith Bible Church in Evansville, Indiana. My name is Bryce. I'm one of the pastor elders here, the one who does the preaching. And I have with me another pastor elder here. It's Andrew Walden. Andrew, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us. All right, thank you. And I also thank you for giving me a topic that is not controversial whatsoever. <laughs> Andrew's being ironic because what we're talking about today and next week are very important. They're things that um, if you're a Christian for any period of time, you've thought about these things. It is, you've maybe not used these words, but the words we're using are cessationism and continuationism. And don't be frightened by the words because just think of cessationism, you hear the word cease. And in continuationism, you hear the word continue. So we're going to talk about why we at Faith Bible Church fall into the former camp. We are those who think something has ceased rather than those who think something has continued. We have been covering the subject of the Holy Spirit, which would require many eternities to cover in full, but we're trying to hit on subjects that are most pertinent to us. And so this week and next week, we're talking about this subject. Now this is, I want to preface it with the fact that this is a secondary theological matter, and we'll emphasize this even more next week, because next week we're going to talk about continuationists, so those we disagree with on this point, who are our friends, <laughs> respectable continuationists. So this is not something we are punching people over. We have many dear believers who disagree with us on this point, but we do think we're right, obviously, in being cessationists. So let's just get into it. I'm just going to start by describing what cessationism is, and then, Andrew, I'm coming over to you to tell everyone why at Faith Bible Church this is our position. Here is the best definition at this moment that I have, that I've kind of crafted myself from various others. Here it is. Cessationism is the belief that the regular operation in the church of the revelatory gifts and of the sign gifts confirming them has ceased. There's the ceasing. The belief that the regular operation in the church of the revelatory gifts and of the sign gifts confirming them has ceased. Now, just a few points on this definition. I say regular operation in the church. So we are talking about revelatory gifts and sign gifts. That's how I've broken those up. Revelatory gifts you could think of as prophecy and as tongues and the interpretation of tongues, possibly the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom described in the New Testament, these are gifts that reveal. They are God revealing something new to a person. They are revelatory. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, word of knowledge and wisdom. The sign gifts are certain gifts that are very externally miraculous in nature that were used in New Testament times to confirm what was being revealed. So, the gift of miracles, where a person could do various miracles. The gift of healing, where a person could somewhat regularly at least heal other people. Among other things, those confirmed 
uh, what was being revealed before the closing of the canon, before you had the New Testament clearly. So, the regular operation in the church of those kinds of gifts. Now, there's a lot of other gifts, and we, cessationists, believe all those gifts are operating. So it's not like the Spirit's gone, and it's not like the gifts of the Spirit are gone. There are lots of gifts described in the New Testament, and maybe there are even more gifts than are described there, and those are all operating. It's just the select revelatory sign gifts that we're saying ceased. This is not to put God in a box. We're saying that these cease in the regular operation in the church. This doesn't mean that we don't think these could happen. There are some cessationists who would probably take that firmer stand. I don't. We don't. So can God heal someone miraculously? Absolutely he can, and he has, and he does. Can God do a miracle? Yes, I'm not going to tell him not to. He certainly can do a miracle. It gets a little trickier when we talk about revelatory things like prophecy. Does prophecy ever happen today? I think it's very rare, but again, I don't think impossible. And one example I have is Charles Spurgeon, my hero in the faith, Baptist preacher of London in the 1800s. There was, he himself is a cessationist. You can read it. He says he's a cessationist. The gifts, some of those gifts in their external actings have ceased or are at least more rare. He himself has a few dozen instances where he was preaching and God revealed something specifically to him about someone in his audience. For example, once there was a man in his audience, he'd never met him. There's thousands of people he's preaching to. And Spurgeon points out and says, there's a man right over there who has a shoe shop and he keeps it open on Sunday. And last Sunday when he kept it open, he made nine pence and four pence of that was profit. And lo and behold, that was accurate. Nobody told that to Spurgeon. Uh, That was a revelation to him of some kind. So again, What we're saying has ceased is not that God can't act, can't do miracles, can't give impressions, can't. We're saying the regular operation in the church of these gifts have ceased. So when you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, these gifts, revelatory sign gifts, were operating so regularly that... Every week when the church met together, there were people who had these gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, gifts of tongues, gifts of prophecy, gifts of interpreting tongues. And therefore, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Paul gives instruction for every week how we do these things. And so really, the whole question today is, when we read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 that instruct us on how to do tongues and prophecy and so forth in the church, should we read that and say, yes, nothing has changed. It has continued exactly the same. We should expect prophets coming into our church every week, people coming every week into church speaking tongues with revelation, people having a gift of miracles, healings, nothing's changed. Or was that something unique to the early church when you did not have the final canonized New Testament widely available that God provided to care for his flock at that time. And we believe that's the case. Now, as to why we believe that, that is all on Andrew to explain to us. So, Andrew, having described our position briefly here, could you answer for us, why are we cessationists here at FBC? Is this something 
the Bible clearly teaches that the gifts would cease? And if it doesn't, then how can we say that the gifts have ceased? So I don't know a single person or a single elder that would make the claim that it is clearly taught in the Bible that these have ceased. There's not a verse you can't point out to something in, you know, First Thessalonians or Corinthians or Galatians or anything like that that says these gifts have ceased. So just to make that clear, starting off, nowhere in the Bible does it state that. What we believe here at FBC is that these gifts were used for a specific time to conduct us or to fulfill a specific purpose. So what we see these gifts doing in the early church is spreading the early church. So you see uh, at Pentecost that the apostles received this gift of tongues and started spreading the word right away to a group of people that were there for Passover and for another uh, festival after that. They were still there when this gift hit, and all of a sudden everyone could understand the gospel right away in their own tongue. That was the purpose of that gift initially. So then you also have uh, the gift of prophecy to where uh, the apostles were receiving these revelatory commands from the Lord through the Holy Spirit that was finalizing what the gospel was going to be for this new early church. And then as you see Paul spreading through uh, all of his missionary journeys and things like that, you see time after time after time, the Holy Spirit telling him, no, you're not going to go to this city. At one point, he's even blocked from going to Asia. And that's how the, the church spread to Europe, because now that he's blocked by the Holy Spirit from going to Asia, he has to go to the continent of Europe. And that's where Christianity spreads in Europe. So we see the Holy Spirit being very active early on to spread the message of Christianity to spread the good gospel of Christ to the world. And so we have those things, but then that happens, that spreads, that's done. So now what we, we believe here at FBC is that those gifts have, I guess, waned, we could use that word to where there's, there's more, I'm trying to use my words very lightly, but more practical ways that we can use what's already been established. So we don't need these gifts anymore to spread the gospel. We can now spread it in other ways. And so that's, that's what we believe here at FBC. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so many other things we could go into that we won't hear. I mean, a lot of this ceasing of the gifts, since it's not something that we believe the New Testament clearly teaches, it's part of the reason we have great respect for people who differ with us on this. Since the New Testament doesn't clearly say they will cease, I mean, the passage that maybe gets closest is the one I read at the beginning in Hebrews 1. Long ago, God spoke in various ways. In these last days, he's spoken by his son. But even that one doesn't say that the gifts would cease. So really what we're doing is we're looking around ourselves today, looking at churches, looking through church history. We've got 2,000 years of abundant church history and then looking around at the world today, and then looking at 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, where the exercise of the gifts are very clearly laid out. I mean, it's it's pretty clear. Here's how you do it. One person gives a tongue, sits down. Next person, you interpret it. If not, don't do tongues. Okay. So it's very clear how they operate there. And even in Acts, we have examples of, I mean, Agabus is a prophet. He comes down, he prophesies. And when we look around today, I don't see it. And even when I look in church history, I don't see it. And I know continuationists, number one, have examples from church history, but I'm telling you, I've, I've looked at s- several of them. They're rare. They're rare. 
And there's no reason that those examples wouldn't fit under our view that these things can happen but are not regularly operative in the church. And you have uh, an understanding that we serve an orderly God. He is not a chaotic God that does things willy-nilly. What we have is a very ordered God. That's why we have those examples that Paul wrote out of if someone's speaking in tongues, someone else is there to interpret because it's an orderly process. And often what we see today is less than orderly in what's happening. With all due respect, but if you removed the use of these revelatory or sign gifts in the local church that do not align with 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, that'd be 90% or more of them gone. And then you are left with 10% of people who, where you have on the one hand, people who are continuationists, but they're cautious or they don't practice it. They believe it's possible, but they don't do it in their church. Okay, there's that group. And then there's an even smaller group there, which we'll talk about next week, of people we respect who believe in the gifts and try to try to do them in some way that really honors the word and tries to align with 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. I have the most respect for that group. I still think it's a lost cause. I, I see some sorts of gifts really happening, which is what then gives credence, like, see, they're happening. But see, our view is they can happen, just not regularly. It's not a normative practice within the church any longer. Precisely. Um, Andrew, follow-up question to that is, this debate about continuation cessationism can be very cordial, and with those we have a lot in common with. But the the stakes are rather high, you know, and it can be really intense for people wrestling with it because here's what happens. You have the cessationists like us looking over at the continuationists and saying, oh boy, you are maligning the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, John MacArthur's Strange Fire Conference, that was one of the main things is you are maligning and on the verge of blaspheming in some cases the Holy Spirit, that is serious because you're saying the Holy Spirit's doing something he's not doing. So that can be really serious. On the other hand, continuationists look at the cessationists and say, you're quenching the Holy Spirit, which Paul commands you not to do. Don't despise prophetic utterances. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. That's very serious. You don't want to be a dead church quenching the Holy Spirit. So the stakes feel so high on both sides. Are we going to blaspheme the Spirit? Are we going to quench the Spirit? So as cessationists, uh, Andrew, what would you say to those who claim that we are quenching the Holy Spirit by not regularly practicing all these New Testament gifts? So I can I can understand the argument. Let me start there so that we're not confrontational and abrasive in this conversation but i can understand the argument there that we're somehow putting like you mentioned earlier putting the holy spirit in a box and like we can neatly define him within this box and i would make the argument that we cannot neatly define god in any way because we are finite man we are have no ability to fully understand everything about god so as far as us quenching the spirit i don't I don't see that in what we're doing. We do not want to offend the Holy Spirit in what we think and what we do. And so we are very cautious in understanding the Holy Spirit. We're very cautious in how we approach the Holy Spirit. We're very cautious in what we acknowledge as a gift of the Holy Spirit. But I would also say, and I read this, and I read this to you earlier, that um, in this little book, I'm, I'm not even sure who this author is, but James West, someone gave me this book a long time ago, But he mentions 
in this book to say that they all, he's talking about the, the gifts, these gifts that we're talking about now, to say that they all must all exist today removes from the control of the sovereign Holy Spirit who gave them. So even on the opposite side of this, to bring in a little bit of, of abrasiveness to this conversation, even on the opposite side of this, to say that they have to continue is doing the exact same thing. To say that they have to continue is also putting the Holy Spirit in a whole nother box of saying that, no, you're not allowed to stop these gifts because you, if they're mentioned in the Bible. Absolutely. And, you know, the passage that says, don't quench the Spirit, it goes on to say, test everything and hold fast to what's good, but not to what's bad and evil. As cessationists, that, that is what we're trying to do. And we're just saying as we test everything in line with 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, that we test it and we believe that, you know, 90% of what passes as spiritual gifts, those those revelatory sign gifts, is fake. Um, so then we don't think it's regularly operative in the church. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to, we're not trying to quench the spirit. We're trying to test everything and let go of things. So we think the spirit has, like you said, waned in the regular operation of these gifts in the church. So we test it. We look around. We look at church history. We're trying to test it according to scripture. And then we say that it's waned. So like you said, Andrew, we're not just trying to be abrasive. We do believe these things, and they are important for your spiritual life and practice in the local church. What we also want to point out next week is that if you're a cessationist, you do not have to fit the stereotype of a cold, stale, stiff, frozen, chosen person. You can be a warm cessationist. Maybe you're listening to this, and in the past you have tried to speak in tongues, or maybe you felt a guilt because you thought you should be speaking in tongues, but weren't sure how to go about doing that. Or maybe in the past you had not even heard the terms continuationist cessationism and this is a brand new subject for you. Whatever the case may be, may God help us all now to think this way. 